Hello, and welcome to Campus Crime Chronicles. I'm your host, Nicole Turner, college professor, PhD student, and true crime addict. In every episode of this podcast, I take a deep dive into some sort of true crime that occurred on a school campus or is associated with a college or university in some way. For each episode, I rate the seriousness of the crime from one to five on my very own serious crime scale, with one being completely not serious, possibly even a little humorous from time to time, to five being very serious. This episode is rated a five. And if I had a six, I'd probably rate it that. Now, I'm not saying this story is worse or more serious than the previous ones because of the crime itself. All crimes, all murders are heinous and awful and truly tragic. But I am saying it's more serious because of a deeper systemic issue and potential motive of this crime. But I do want to leave that for y'all to decide. Do you think this crime was driven by an incoherent drunken stupor? Or do you think it was racially motivated, as in one person killed another person simply because of the color of their skin? Or was it possibly a mixture of both? We will get the answers to these questions in this episode titled Murder of a Third Generation Military Man. So without further ado, let's get started. Richard Collins III, a 23-year-old college student, was visiting some friends at the University of Maryland in College Park on May 20, 2017. Richard and his friends were celebrating a very special occasion, his graduation, which was only days away. On May 23rd, in just three days, Richard was set to graduate from Bowie State University, a historically Black college commonly known as an HBCU. He was graduating with a bachelor's degree in business administration from Bowie State, which is also located in Maryland, only about 12 miles from the UMD campus in College Park where he was visiting his friends. That night, Richard and two of his friends had been to some bars to celebrate his big day and big accomplishments, according to a University of Maryland press release. At about 3 a.m. on May 20th, they were standing at a bus stop on Regents Drive near Montgomery Hall on the UMD campus, waiting for an Uber to arrive and pick them up. Nothing specifies where they were headed or where they were going, whether they were maybe headed to another bar or just going home for the night or maybe to eat somewhere. But NBC Washington reported the university shuttles had already stopped running by that time, so that's why they had to call a rideshare to get wherever they were going. But as they were waiting there in the wee hours of the morning, another man, a random stranger, began coming toward them, seemingly from out of nowhere. Michael A. Fletcher reported for The Undefeated that the man was screaming as he approached, and he seemed to be coming from a nearby stand of trees. According to police reports, the man appeared to be heading straight for Richard, and when he got to him, he looked at Richard and said, quote, Step left. Step left if you know what's best for you. End quote. Richard, who 
was said to be puzzled and not expecting that to come from the guy's mouth, just stood up to him and just said simply, no. That's when the man lunged at Richard and stabbed him in the chest with a three to four inch knife. As Richard fell to the ground, his two friends, Amanda Lee and Blake Bender, instantly began medical aid and called 911. A UMD press release stated that officers immediately responded to the area and located Richard on the sidewalk, suffering from serious injuries. The officers then began CPR until paramedics arrived and took Richard to the hospital. However, despite their efforts, Richard didn't survive the brutal attack, and sadly, he was later pronounced dead at around 4 a.m. at Prince George's Hospital. The University of Maryland police chief, David Mitchell, described Richard's attack as, quote, totally unprovoked, end quote. What makes this story even more heart-wrenching is that Richard was not only set to graduate with a bachelor's degree, but he was also an active member of the military and the Reserve Officers Training Corps, or ROTC, at Bowie State. According to the Capitol Gazette in Maryland, Richard was killed just two days after being commissioned as a second lieutenant army officer. His family said he was passionate about serving his country and he wanted to follow in his dad's and granddad's footsteps, who both also served in the military. They said Richard had an ultimate goal of becoming a U.S. Army general. And Tom Cleary reported for Heavy.com that upon graduation, Richard was expected to go into the Army's intelligence division. Meanwhile, after all of this happened, police on scene were looking for the man who stabbed and killed Richard. Some reports suggest the dude fled the scene, but if that were the case, he didn't get very far. According to reports, police found 22-year-old UMD student Sean Christopher Urbanski sitting at a bus stop bench about 50 feet from the murder scene. They found a folding knife in his front pocket, which was believed to be the murder weapon, and witnesses identified Urbanski as the stabbing suspect. Urbanski was immediately taken into custody and booked into Prince George's County Jail in Maryland, and ABC News reports he was charged with first-degree murder, second-degree murder, and first-degree assault. So, in this case, police had their suspect right away, seemingly having both a means, the knife, and an opportunity— a random stabbing encounter at the bus stop. However, what they weren't sure about was the motive. What the hell would provoke this guy to attack and murder a random stranger with a knife? Immediately, they knew alcohol, of course, played a role. Urbanski had apparently been out drinking that night, too, and witnesses said he did appear intoxicated. According to an article in the Baltimore Sun, it appeared to be an incoherent and intoxicated attack. However, it didn't take long for police to begin suspecting another potential motive in this crime. Hate. You see, Richard Collins III was a black man. Urbanski is white. And USA Today reported that UMD Police Chief David Mitchell said he asked the FBI to assist in their investigation after learning that Urbanski belonged to a Facebook group called Alt-Right Nation. Mitchell told the Baltimore Sun, quote, When I look at the information that's contained on that website, suffice it to say that it's despicable. It shows extreme bias against women, Latinos, persons of Jewish faith, and especially African Americans, end quote. Other reports say that Urbanski also downloaded racist memes to his phone and supported violence toward Black people. 
Once this information was released to the public, a media frenzy ensued, all labeling it a hate crime. And the FBI began investigating it as such. Dave Fitz with the Baltimore FBI office told USA Today, quote, We will look at some of the digital forensics and see if there is anything there. We are still in evaluation mode. There hasn't been a determination either way if we were going to recommend hate crime charges, end quote. But after nearly five months of investigating and thoroughly examining Urbanski's cell phone and computer, police determined there was indeed enough evidence to charge him with a hate crime in October 2017. According to USA Today, the state attorney for Prince George's County, Angela Also Brooks, announced, quote, What we're saying is that race, that Lieutenant Collins' death, that he was killed because of his race, end quote. After this announcement in October 2017, the case became pretty silent in the media because the trial, which was initially set for January 2018, was delayed four different times. Twice because of the defense. Of course, Urbanski and his lawyers would do all they could to delay the inevitable. I mean, he clearly did it. It was just a matter of why he did it and, you know, the excuses they could come up with. But the other two times were actually requested by the state prosecutors. I think it's important to point out here that the original prosecuting attorney, Angela Alsobrooks, the one who made the announcement that Urbanski was officially being charged with a hate crime, she took a different job with the state. According to an article by Jillian Adelset in the Diamondback, let me just tell you, the Diamondback is the kick-ass campus newspaper for the University of Maryland. Shout out to student media because I'm the proud advisor of a student newspaper. Anyway, according to that article, also Brooks was elected county executive and several attorneys handling the case followed her to her new office. Aisha Braveboy took her place as the lead prosecuting attorney. So the new legal team definitely needed time to review the evidence and build their case against Urbanski. When the trial finally got started in December 2019, over two years after the murder, Urbanski and his lawyers argued that he was severely intoxicated, which was the sole contributing factor to the murder. However, the state argued that was only partially the case due to the racist nature of evidence found on his phone and computer. According to WTOP in Washington, D.C., the trial lasted for six days in Prince George's County Circuit Court. According to WBAL-TV in Baltimore, Urbanski's attorneys pointed out that his blood alcohol level was between 0.17 and 0.24%, which they said was three times the legal limit. Then the defense played a video that showed Urbanski in his holding cell for 43 minutes on May 20th, 2017, the day Richard Collins was stabbed. I'm going to tell you a little of what was on that video, including some not-so-pleasant quotes from Urbanski. Think, drunk guy in a holding cell. So consider this your fair warning. According to WBAL-TV, most of the audio was garbled and hard to understand or make out. But you could clearly hear Urbanski slurring his words and saying, quote, I'm confused as shit. I really am. End quote. He also was singing and humming a song at one point. Another time he could be heard saying, quote, Can I take a piss now? Can I get a glass of water? I haven't done anything wrong. Whatever I need to do to get out of whatever is going on right now, please, ma'am or sir, whoever is in charge, I'm just trying to go to the restroom. If you could possibly please let me out. Okay, I'm ready. I will pee directly into the drain. I don't know what the hell is going on. 
end quote. And pee into the drain is exactly what he did. According to the audio that was released, Urbanski can actually be heard relieving himself in the holding cell. Then you could hear an officer in the background yelling, quote, are you going to clean this up? End quote. And Urbanski answered, quote, yes, sir. End quote. So Urbanski's defense team basically said he was stupid drunk. No, literally, his attorney said, quote, Sean was stupid drunk. The only poison in his brain was alcohol. He was a stupid drunk college kid. End quote. And they argued that he just made an incredible, terrible, life-changing mistake in a drunken rage. Apparently, all of Urbanski's friends were graduating and he wasn't because he had set out a year. So that put him behind and he was just so upset and mad at the world and wah, 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 boo, hoo, hoo. Um, a mistake? Murder is a completely different thing than a mistake. A mistake is a typo in a newspaper. To me, it's not a mistake. It's actually the perfect example of white privilege at its finest. I mean, this guy gets drunk and has a bad day and then decides, oh, hey, I'm so drunk. I'm just going to go do something really crazy and, you know, murder somebody. Anyway, they argued this mistake or whatever twisted thing you want to call it should only be considered second degree murder since he was just intoxicated and didn't set out to kill anyone that night. However, Prosecutors painted a very different picture. Yes, he was drunk. There was no denying that. But they pointed out Amanda Lee's testimony. Remember, Richard was standing at the bus stop with two of his friends, Amanda Lee, who is an Asian woman, and Blake Bender, a white man. Richard was the only black man standing there. Amanda testified that Urbanski first came up behind the group of friends and just stood there and watch them for about 10 minutes. Um, can we say creepy? Then he left for a short time, but then reappeared out of nowhere, already holding the open knife in his hands. That's when he targeted Richard and stabbed him after he told Richard to move, but Richard decided not to follow the weird drunk guy's directions. Prosecutors also focused on the racist content and memes that were found on his phone, arguing that his mind had been poisoned with white supremacist propaganda. I hate to even bring this up, but I do want to share with you guys just how offensive and heinous one of those memes were. Apparently, Urbanski had downloaded a meme on Christmas Day in 2016, just a few months prior to the murder, that referenced pushing an N-word, yes, it used the actual N-word, into a wood chipper. I'll wait while you gasp. Ultimately, Judge Lawrence Hill, who was presiding over the case, was forced to dismiss the hate crime charges because the state didn't meet the burden of proof standards required of a hate crime. In Maryland, apparently, the hate crime law at the time of the trial would have required that Urbanski stabbed Richard solely because of his race, solely because he was black. But it was clear that alcohol was definitely a contributing factor as well, and Judge Hill had to recognize that. However, according to WBAL-TV, the judge also pointed out that he did indeed believe race was a partial motive in this crime, particularly because of the proof of Urbanski's ideology and beliefs. In regard to all the racist content on Urbanski's phone and computer, and specifically the Facebook group he was part of, the judge said, quote, it may be a sight to tell jokes, but if the jokes are racist, it's the same thing. It doesn't make it any less racist, end quote. 
Despite the dismissal of the hate crime charges, though, prosecutor Aisha Braveboy and Richard's parents still maintained that the murder was motivated by hate and racism. After closing arguments, the jury deliberated for about two hours before announcing the verdict and convicting Sean Urbanski of first-degree murder. His initial sentencing was supposed to come later in April 2020, but the COVID-19 pandemic caused it to be repeatedly delayed. Eventually, on January 14, 2021, just this year, the judge handed down Urbanski's sentence in a remote hearing via Zoom and phone. The defense, of course, asked for the possibility of parole to be left open, and the prosecution asked for the maximum sentence of life in prison without parole. The judge, according to WTOP, split the difference. Judge Hill said, quote, I don't believe that this case is, frankly, everything that either side has made it out to be, end quote. However, the judge also said, quote, Alcohol did not cause Mr. Urbanski to murder Lieutenant Collins. It was a factor, but alcohol does not cause someone to do something that is not within themselves, end quote. Judge Hill ultimately sentenced Urbanski, who is now 25, to life in prison and left open the possibility of parole, which he could be eligible for after 15 years. However, Maryland State's attorney, Aisha Brave Boyd, told NPR News, quote, I think it is highly unlikely that he will be paroled, at least anytime soon. However, the judge made that decision based on certain objective factors, like the fact that this was his first offense. I just wanted to make sure that it is clear that this was a hate crime, end quote. Regardless, Richard's parents, Don and Rick Collins, still live with the grief of losing their son far too soon to a senseless, incomprehensible murder. His mother gave a tearful statement at the sentencing. She said, quote, When I found out I was having a boy, I was initially struck with fear. A black man in America. Oh my God. End quote. Don said her parents assured her that everything would be fine, that Richard would be fine after he was born, but how wrong they were. Don said, quote, My son's greatest crime was that he said no to a white man. End quote. Alongside Brave Boy, Richard's parents pushed to introduce the second lieutenant, Richard Collins III's law. If passed, the law would expand the state of Maryland's definition of a hate crime to include partial motivation for a crime, not just the sole motivation. The bill summary states that the definition would include, quote, actions motivated either in whole or in substantial part by another person's or group's race, color, religious beliefs, sexual orientation, gender, disability, or national origin, or because another person or group is homeless, end quote. On October 1st, 2020, that bill officially became a law. Now, in the state of Maryland, people can be charged with hate crimes even if hate was only part of the reason they committed the crime. Also, prior to that, in May 2020, NPR reports that the Department of Defense announced it was posthumously promoting Richard to first lieutenant, which I think is so freaking awesome, by the way. Secretary of the Army Ryan McCarthy said, quote, the Army considered the standards and criteria required of an honorary promotion and found that 2nd Lieutenant Collins displayed exemplary conduct in the performance of his duties commensurate with a 1st Lieutenant, end quote. I do want to say that after Richard's death, both the University of Maryland and Bowie State University issued several statements of their deep sympathy and regret for what happened to Richard, as well as their intolerance of hate on their campuses 
in any form. Rachel Pistella for the Capital Gazette reported that in 2018, Bowie State even launched a $1 million scholarship program titled the Second Lieutenant Richard W. Collins III Leadership with Honor Scholarship, where literally $1 million in scholarship money is dispersed each year in Richard's honor to minority students who are ROTC members and attend an HBCU in Maryland, which there are four of, by the way. Again, I think that is so awesome. In a press conference, Don Collins remembered her son and said he was, quote, on a pinnacle of doing great things, and he, quote, aspired to be the next General Colin Powell, and there was nothing that was going to stop him, end quote. His parents also started a foundation in Richard's memory called the Second Lieutenant Richard W. Collins III Foundation. And I could tell you all about it, but I'd rather tell you about it in their words instead of mine. On the homepage of the foundation's site, Don and Rick have written some very powerful words in the form of a letter to all people who visit the site. And I would like to leave you with those words. The letter reads, On May 20th, 2017, our son was stabbed to death. What killed him was hate, ignorance, and unfounded fear. America continues to struggle with an inherited national disability that has caused Black lives ultimately to matter less, far too long for so many fellow citizens. Richard was a loving, patriotic, and thoughtful man who eagerly embraced new challenges. He was a strong sense of purpose, having just embarked on a military career. He was determined to earn his own way, hopefully to the rank of general. There is no doubt in our minds he would have poured every ounce of himself toward achieving this goal. As important, Richard strove to help others and ensure they felt valued. It is in this spirit we established the Second Lieutenant Richard W. Collins III Foundation. Our purpose is twofold. First, defeat the intolerance and fear that robbed us of our beloved son. And second, through scholarship and mentoring, ensure the success of young people of color and others. There is no strength, honor, or justification in murder but so it is also with the devaluation of any human life by anyone of any race. It is wrong. There are no vaccines that will protect us from troubled minds and truly hateful hearts. It will require real work, a commitment to confront the unpleasant truths we resist and the courage to stay the course. The work will pain us, but ultimately it frees us from being at the mercy of our lesser selves. We have lost a son, let us not lose our nation to ignorance and hate. Join us. We need you. Don and Rick Collins. That brings us to the end of Chronicle 4. But if you're liking what you're hearing, I want to ask you guys a huge favor. Actually, a couple of huge favors. First, I'd love for you to subscribe to my podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. This will just make sure that you never miss an episode because every two weeks when a new Chronicle is released, it'll pop up on your newsfeed. And trust me, I know that those two weeks can go by pretty fast and a new Chronicle is released and you didn't even know it. So this will just ensure that it'll pop up and you'll be able to listen to it as soon as one is released. So go subscribe. The second thing, if you are really loving these chronicles, it would help me out a ton if you'd leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. So just click those stars and tell me how much you love Campus Crime Chronicles. 
Campus Crime Chronicles is researched, written, and recorded by me, Nicole Turner, and it's edited and produced by Big Mad Media. Tune in again in two weeks for the next Chronicle.